Hello, everyone, and welcome to the leadership show called My Great Aunt Edna. The show speaks about excellence, doing things the right way, no shortcuts, and accountability. I'm your host, Mac McNeil, and today our special guest is Nicole Tinson, the founder and CEO of HBCU 20x20. Nicole is on Forbes Magazine's 30 Under 30 for social entrepreneurship, and using the words purpose-driven and dynamic is not enough to explain it. You'll have to hear for yourself. Enough said. Let's get to it. and welcome to this episode of my great aunt Edna. This is Mac McNeil, your host, and I have a really special guest today, Nicole Tenson. Before I introduce Nicole, I'd really love to tell you the story about how I met Nicole. So I'm on an airplane coming back from Washington, D.C. at a speaking engagement for Jobs for American graduates, and I'm sitting down. I'm a little tired, had a couple of whiskeys. I'm going to be honest with you, so I was feeling a little loose. And then you know, this young lady sits down next to me. She has a big bag of Chick-fil-A, right? And so the aroma is just all up in my nose. I'm like, what's going on with this right here? So, you know, I engage her in conversation. Long story short, turned out to be one of the greatest conversations I've had on a plane ever. So I'm really excited that I was able to meet Nicole. And after I introduce you to her, you will see why this was such a great encounter. So let me introduce you to Nicole Tenson. And so to tell you a little bit about Nicole, Nicole is the founder and chief executive officer of HBCU 20 by 20, an organization that places historically backed colleges and university students and graduates into companies like Accenture, SpaceX, and Intel. She was named to the Forbes 30 under 30 social entrepreneurs list in 2020. Since 2017, the organization has placed more than 750 HBCU students and alumni into career opportunities and partnered with 43 employers. Nicole is an advocate, speaker, writer, and strategist, and I can speak for the strategist piece during our conversation on the plane. She also has a Bachelor of Arts in Science from Dillard University and a Master of Arts in Science from Yale University, so an outstanding resume. And with that, I will introduce you all to Nicole Tinson and turn it over to you, Nicole. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> um, first and foremost, thank you for having me. I'm happy that that Chick-fil-A stirred up some conversation. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's it's just an honor to be able to, to be on with you today, just to talk about my experience for the listeners to learn and the viewers to learn a little bit more about me, the work that we're looking to do, the impact that we've made. Um, and honestly, just thinking about the future. So thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you for joining us. I'm really excited about this interview. And so tell us a little bit about your organization and what you focus on. 
Absolutely. Um, so HBCU 20 by 20, as you mentioned, uh, was founded September 2017 with the goal to close the access and opportunity gap. Um, as you mentioned, I attended Dillard University and HBCU in New Orleans, Louisiana, and from there went to Yale for graduate school and saw the ways that companies engaged the students in Yale and realized they never came to my HBCU. Um, so it was something that bothered me. Um, I grew up in a household where I was taught not to complain, but to create solutions. And HBCU 20 by 20 became that solution for me. Um, I think that with the work that we've been able to do, the people that we've been able to reach, uh, we've been living really truthfully to our, our mission, uh, operating intentionally by working with companies who share our same commitment, um, who, who value our vision as well. Um, so to say that, like, you know, it's only been five years, the work that we've been able to do seems like it's been a lifetime, but, um, you know, we're, we're excited about what all is, is to come. You know, I feel like it's really just the beginning. So am I. Um, I love the fact that you do this, and I don't think I mentioned this to you on the plane, but um, when I was a, a VP with Bank of America, part of my role was I used to go out and to the um, NBA conference every year, the Black NBA conference. And I was always, always, always super impressed with the students from HBCU students. Of course, I'm Black, but I'm being completely honest, you know, and, and the conversations that I've had um, with those students comparatively to some of the students from other schools, HBCU students just seemed like they were a level ahead, but the opportunities weren't there. So after I met you and I found out what you did, you know, I was amazed, like, this is awesome. You know, finally, uh, someone to bridge that gap between the talent pool and the corporate pool. So outstanding. I love the fact that you're doing this. Thank you. You know, I think that um, what I'm doing isn't new. I often say that uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion work isn't new. Uh, as far as I remember, you know, Jesse Jackson has been doing this work since the 70s. <laughs> um, so. Yes. So it's just a continuation and to be able to think about it through a new lens and offer a new perspective uh, just to the industry or just to the world in general um, has has been, you know, me walking in my purpose and me really fulfilling what I feel I'm supposed to be on earth for. I love it. I love it. So let's get into some of the formal questions that I have for you here. So the first one is. Um, you were recognized by Forbes magazine as a 30 under 30 for social entrepreneurs list. Congratulations. I'm sure you've heard that many times. But can you describe what that recognition actually means for our listeners? Absolutely. Um, so I always like to start uh, with the idea um, about what Forbes 30 under 30 actually means. Um, it recognizes uh, young professionals, ideally entrepreneurs uh, within different industries. So I made the social entrepreneurship category. I am a social, we are a social enterprise. Um, you have people in media, you have the music. Uh, so I like to say, like, I'm, I'm looking at my Forbes kind of like plaque that they sent me. 21 Savage was on my cover. Um, so just to give like a glimpse, you know, Megan Estalia made my class. Um, but it's really intended to recognize uh, those who are game changers or trailblazers within their field. Um, and, you know, for me, making the Forbes 30 under 30 list, it meant a lot. I'm from South Central Los Angeles, California. Um, not that many of us make the Forbes list. Um, and I think, 
Yeah. And I think, you know, when I thought about like what it meant to be a business owner, what it meant to be an entrepreneur, I knew that for me, making the Forbes list was something that was important. Um, I had put that out into the world. Um, I worked with my head down, also with my head up too. Um, and, and really just set out to make a difference. Um, and fortunately enough for me, enough people had nominated me to the list um, and they ultimately selected me to be on the list. Um, there are very few HBCU uh, grads who make the Forbes list and also very few black people who make the list. And that's something um, I've actively been working with Forbes on um, as well as just figuring out how they can diversify uh, those lists for the different industries. But um, it, it definitely means a lot. Uh, making that list certainly took our organization to another level. Um, you know, for so long we have been knocking on doors um, and we got to a point where we like so many people knock on our doors now, like, you know, we kind of can't open every single door. Um, so it's interesting what, you know, the Forbes 30 under 30 recognition was able to provide, uh, not only to me, but to our organization to expand our work. Yeah, that's a good problem to have when you can't open all your doors because there's so many opportunities. Uh, that's growth. That's what many people aspire to. So congratulations on that. And I see you now, you know, taking little selfies. And I saw that one right there with Cory Booker. <laughs> <laughs> some yeah. of everybody, some of everybody, you know, yeah. I think that that's, it's, it's, it comes with the territory. Um, I think even last year they invited me to um, an event in Abu Dhabi. Um, so it was their first uh, Forbes 30 slash 50. So they have a 50 over 50 list uh, with women. And I was invited for uh, International Women's Day. Um, so Hillary Clinton was there. Tyra Banks was there. So like, yeah. you know, like just being able to be in like a space uh, with successful women, um, you know, is just it, it lends into what Forbes has been able to pour into me, uh, among other things. That's amazing. Amazing. Congratulations again. All right. So my next question is some people may think that your leadership impact is primarily focused in the black community when they see HBCU. So has there been any stigma perceptions that you've had to get beyond in order to help the non-black community understand the overall national impact of your business initiatives? Absolutely. Um, I think that uh, and I just thinking about even my own experience in undergrad and graduate school, my experience is very black, you know, um, from the time I was 15, I joined the NAACP. So I was organizing uh, at 15 years old in L.A., um, interned through the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, uh, did a fellowship through the UNCF for an organization called the Black Alliance for Educational Options. So my very my resume is very, very black. Oh, it's very black. Um, and I think that it's because I understand uh, the need for our community to have the resources that we normally aren't given or provided access to. Um, so in the beginning, having to explain what HBCUs were to companies, you know, and this is 2017, this is before George Floyd, before companies uh, 
began to care about the black community in, in, in a different way. Right. Um, so we often would have conversations and they go, oh, I visited Howard. And I'm like, there's 101 HBCUs. How are you visiting? It's HBCUs with an S. So how you, you know, like, let's have a real conversation. So a lot of the work we were doing in the beginning uh, was raising awareness about HBCUs and why they were relevant, why it's important to tap into the talent pool. And um, fortunately enough now, we don't have to do as much explanation. Um, but, you know, for us, being able to just shed light on like those uh the hidden figures you know that movie was so important they went to hbcus but the hidden figures that are that are at every hbcu so whether it's alcorn state or uh, the university of arkansas pine bluff or famu or dillard university you know there's amazing talent everywhere and it's uh something that we have made a point to, to focus on to make sure that everyone knows about all the, the talent that exists at all the HBCUs. Um, but even beyond that, what we have found is students who don't attend HBCUs are interested in our organization. So we have students from the University of Michigan, Ohio State, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, who have participated in our program, students at Princeton who have participated in our program. So I think that what we're finding is that we're open. You know, I, we don't discriminate. We want everyone to be able to have access to the opportunities needed to be successful. So whether they attend an HBCU or not, you know, what we're finding is we're opening up um, a little bit more to that. And, you know, we're also uh, starting up uh, a new initiative, the application where we'll be focused, you know, not solely on the black community, but also uh, the brown community as well, making sure they also know about HBCUs and they have access to HBCUs as well. And then also the opportunities that exist too. That's amazing. And I hadn't actually thought that far to think that, you know, other black students from some of the historical schools would be interested, but absolutely they would because you're, you're a direct conduit to opportunities. Absolutely. And you know, when I think about my experience at Yale, um, I spent a lot of time at the house, which is the Afro-American Cultural Center at Yale. And um, students really struggled there. The Black students struggled in finding career opportunities because when the large consulting firms are coming to recruit students, they aren't coming necessarily to look for Black students, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to be an open door for those students as well to have access to participate in our fellowship programs or get connected to professionals through our mock interview program uh, also has been uh, a, a way for us to continue to not only lead by example, but to serve the communities in which we say we truly care about. Love it. I love it. All right. So my next question is, how has your ability to network with other leaders influence your overall ability to accomplish your goals? Oh, so networking is like probably one of the most important things. Um, I tell people I network everywhere. I network on a plane. You do. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, Chick-fil-A. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I understand the value in people. You know, I think that there's something that everyone offers to this world. Um, and I make it my mission to speak to everyone. So uh, whether it's the janitor, uh, whether it's the person in, in fast food who's serving the Chick-fil-A, I'm going to spark up a conversation with them. And, you know, what I have seen is 
either there is a way where I'm able to assist them or maybe I'm learning something and they're able to assist me. Um, but it's it's been really helpful. Um, being able to navigate any room in any space uh, is one of my areas of forte. I think that Coming from South Central Los Angeles, I didn't have much, so I know the importance of leaning in and stepping into any room with intention, with confidence, and understanding, like, you know, that there's something to gain from me being in this space. So um, I've, you know, I brought Michelle Obama to be my commencement speaker at Dillard uh, just through networking. Um, Outstanding, yeah. Yeah, just, just. It's, it's, you know, like for me, I'm just like, okay, well, what else is there? Like, you know, like spoken to Jay-Z, like I've like, it's, it's been like Jay, it was Jay-Z, Beyonce, Kanye and Kim all sitting next to each other. But I spoke to Jay-Z, like that was important for me to network with Jay-Z. Um, so when I think about like the importance of just speaking to people, I'm like, I'm like scared money, don't make no money, that concept. But then also connecting with people, whomever they are, uh, can help me ultimately achieve whatever goal I'm looking to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, I love it, I love it. All right, so we said Forbes 30 under 30. There's a number in there. So how has ageism impacted the perception of your leadership aptitude? Oh, it's certainly, I, I like think about the beginning where people were like, Again, Jesse Jackson's been doing this since the 70s before you were even born, like 30 years before you were even born, almost. And, you know, like, who are you? Like, I got a lot of that. Like, who are you to come in here and tell us what to do? Um, But I think that over time, when we've been able to allow our work uh, to speak for itself, people have come to us, you know, that that same concept, we can't open every door now, you know? Um, And I think that that's just a testament to what we've been able to do. Um, Being effective is something that's really important for us. Quality over quantity is something that's uh, also incredibly important for me. Um, And I think that leading through my work has allowed people to bypass like my age. So um, it certainly was a thing in the beginning though, like, you know, I got that a lot. Like, so how long have you been doing this? Or, you know, like, where did you say you worked before? Like that's those kind of questions. Um, but I think that again, as we've allowed um, our our rapport in a way, our business rapport uh, to speak for itself, I haven't had to encounter like my age being a problem anymore, but it was in the beginning. Yeah, I'm sure it was. So uh, I'm thinking, I don't know if this is sh- for sure, but I'm thinking that now you probably have people who think your age is actually a benefit. You know, hey, she's young, she can relate, she can understand. And so do you get those kind of things coming to you? Oh, absolutely. And I lead and lean into that. You know, um, my ability to connect with students like helps us a lot. I'm going to show up to campus with like Maybe I might show up with red bottoms if I'm doing a presentation or I might show up with J's like, you know, like and they're going to respect that. I'm not going to speak like as professionally as I would if I were in a meeting. I'm going to hit them with like, yes, like, you know, like, you know, whatever they want, like how they're speaking. I get it. I'm listening to the same kind of music they're listening to. So if we're pulling a DJ on campus, we're listening to Young Dolph on campus. Like, you know, like it just is what it is. We're listening to Megan Thee Stallion on campus and, yeah, yeah. and, and City Girls and Doja Cat and 
Dolce and Doja. whomever else is popular. So I'm, I'm all about that Doja right there, boy. I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So getting more professional now. How would you describe excellence in your own words? Ooh. Excellence is understanding that mistakes can happen, but it's up to you to push through and figure out a way to perfect them so that they don't happen again. Um, so um, excellence is only for me achieved through struggle and revelation. Um, and, you know, I think that for me, uh, just, I, Excellence just isn't is an isn't an option. Like it's the only option for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I've always known that. Uh, I grew up trained as a dancer in ballet, modern, and jazz, um, where you're always competing, right? You're always competing for that solo. You're always competing to be in front, to be seen, yeah. to be visible. Um, so excellence was embedded like early on in life, and I think that being able to apply that into business um, has certainly helped. Um, Oftentimes when companies come to us, they come to us after they've gone to someone else um, and it may not have worked. Um, And they come to us and they find like, oh, well, well, this this is what we were looking for. And it's those renewed partnerships and those renewed contracts that let me know, okay, we're on the right path. You know, we're doing we're, we're walking in excellence. We're able to deliver something not only for our partners, but for our community, you know, where they're able to benefit um, from the work that we're able to do. So, you know, for me, excellence is the only option. There, there, there isn't anything else other than being able to put our best foot forth um, and, and just learning. And that's the other thing, you know, learning is important in that journey towards excellence too. So I really love the fact that you started out by saying that you can make some mistakes, you know, with excellence. And and it's part of the way it's described in my book and that excellence is not perfection. And some people get it confused. You know, it's not perfection. It's not meant to be perfection. It's meant to be the journey and the spirit of how you do things to get to where you want to go. So um, and then also, I love the fact that you said it's my only option. I don't have any other options. It's what I do. It's what I have to do. Um, love that. Love that spirit about it. Um, my last question for you, and this is my staple question that I ask every single guest on the show. And this is as a leader in today's environment, 2023, Oof. what one or two things just piss you off that you wish you could change? Whew. Yeah, take a breath. We had a little bit of this conversation on the plane. So, yeah, tell me about it. There's so many things, though. Um, (laughs) Oh. I'm almost like at like a standstill. And it's funny because you shared these questions with me in advance. And I had an answer. And now that you're asking it, I'm like, now, because I think that like, it changes so much. I think that being, this is one of my favorite quotes is by James Baldwin, to to be a Negro in this country and be relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage. Um, Because you understand, you know, if you have an understanding, you know that there is so much placed against our community um, and trying to figure out ways to solve it um, intentionally can be very taxing, but then on the opposite end, ignoring it makes you feel like you're neglecting 
uh, or for me, it makes me feel like I'm neglecting like my obligation or my duty for for being on Earth. Um, I know that you know this is this is a fairly new story, uh, but um, again, I'm from LA, and a 31 year old uh, was just killed in LA by the LAPD. Um, and when I think about uh, violence against Black people, like I think that that's something that just pisses me off more than anything else, but. The idea that this 31-year-old teacher, he's an educator, he's educating the future, uh, calls the police and, you know, for uh, an accident, he's calling for help and ends up, you know, in a chokehold and ends up tased and ends up having a heart attack and dying, you know, um, it's scary, you know, like that, it's, it's, it's scary because when I think about the future, what does it mean uh, to be Black in America? What does it mean to, to need to call for someone for help? And I think that on the opposite end, I want to be that help for our community, you know, in, in figuring out what we can do. So I know that that's just like a microcosm uh, of kind of like what that our Black experience is. Um, but I know that that's something that really pisses me off. Um, I spend a lot of time organizing uh, within the Black community. So um, I organize one of the largest uh, marches in L.A., so the Million, Million, Millions March L.A. Um, I did that in 2016 where we had, uh, you know, half a million people show up. Um, I've gotten uh, a man off a of death row organizing off Twitter. So just, you know. Hey, everyone, call the governor of Missouri's office, call the attorney general's office, like, let's call because there's proof that this man didn't kill this person and he should not be executed. And it works. So, like, you know, like for me, being able to create solutions is something that's important. Um, but it just sucks that we have these problems. Um, and the last thing on my flight back from Ghana to America, I watched Get Out. Um, and I rewatched it. I, I was late to the movie theater when I originally saw it. So I missed the beginning where uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character actually gets kidnapped in the beginning. And I missed that part. Oh, so like okay. it did, it connected the dots like, oh, he got kidnapped. And OK, this is why he's here. Um, and then I began to do research like once I was like, oh, no, wait a minute. Black people make up 13 percent of the country, but 34 percent of all missing cases. Um, and, you know, it just, you know, those are the kinds of things that piss me off. Um, and I'm just like, what, what can we do? The answer isn't for me, like, you know, okay, well, you know, people said, go back home then, go back to Africa. Like, you know, like, I hear that a lot. We'll just leave, like, if you're not happy here. Um, but I think that there is just, there's more work that needs to be done. Um, and I just want to be a part of that. Uh, I can't just be upset or pissed about what's going on. So, uh, for me, trying to strategize that strategy piece is really important, figuring out like what else can we do to make sure that not only our community is protected, um, but then on the opposite end, we're able to thrive and be successful too. Passion and purpose just bounces off of you. I mean, that is you. And I know I said this to you on the plane, but um, you know, I have a feeling you're going to do some great things. You've already done some great things, but I, I have a feeling you're not done. You're not even close to being done. So it was a pleasure to meet you. I'm really excited and thankful that you decided to join my great Aunt Edna's show. Um, but I want to turn it over to you. Any last minute words that you'd like to say to the audience out there? 
No, absolutely. I think uh, the most important thing is, you know, figure out what your purpose in life is. You know, I think that we all have purpose. There's a reason for us being on this earth. Um, you just got to lean into it. It's in you. Um, don't be scared. Uh, just step out on faith. That's something else that's really important for me. Um, my faith journey has helped me uh, figure out like where I want to be, what I want to do, um, how I want to show up in the world as my best self. Um, so, you know, just, just tap into that. I think that that's the most important thing. And then from there, just, uh, just create a plan. Like I, like I have a plan for the next 20 years and I'm like, okay, well, I might need to plan like 20 more years after that. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So with that, I say, thank you. Appreciate your time. Continue to do great things for the listeners out there. We're going to put her information up on the screen uh, towards the end of the show. So don't hit the stop button yet. Um, you can reach out to her. As you can see, she's an influence. She networks. Um, great speaking. Uh, so reach out to her and, and help her cause. So uh, with that, I say thank you and goodbye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. And I want to thank our very special guest, Nicole Tenson of HBCU 20 by 20. Nicole is powerhouse in motion. So if you know of any corporations out there that are looking for top talent from historically black colleges and universities, Nicole should be your first stop. Her information is up on the screen, so get connected and learn how she can help your organization grow in the right way. And I also want to remind you about my book coming out in March of 2023 called My Great Aunt Edna, The Golden Girl of Leadership. It's available wherever books are sold, so make sure to get your copy. And also, please subscribe to this channel so that you can get updates from other great leaders from all around the world that can give you bite-sized nuggets of wisdom to help you in your own leadership journey. And with that, I say thank you. May your week be excellent. And God bless.